I've seen a lot of those videos, and every one of them, um, in a different way, kind of gets to you, in a good way, obviously. Um, not that we want to be emotionally stirred, but it is nice to know that there's emotion involved, you know? We want to be led by the Spirit um, in doing these and packing these boxes, and um, truly, when you, just when you watch that, um, the, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You just felt that overwhelming rush like, man, I want hundreds of kids to feel like that, thousands of kids. You know, what, what can I do? How's my, what's my part in this, you know? So obviously we do this and uh, we collect the boxes and we pack the boxes at our fellowship and we gather boxes from other fellowships also and send them off and we get to be that first link in the chain and that's exciting to be a part of that. Um, it's not too early to pack your box. Um, you could start today, their boxes are out there, grab one, a cardboard box, you've got them made free and everything, you don't have to fold them or anything, just go to Walmart or wherever you go and pack them with some stuff, uh, pray over it, and uh, may God get it into the right kids' hands, and we can start collecting them anytime. I mean, you know, we'll set them here and set them there or wherever, but um, it's never too early to start, you know. Um, dollar General is a good place too, that's right, or the dollar store, Dollar Tree or whatever, that's right. Anyway. We'll start collecting probably and get more serious about it in, uh, you know, as we get into November here, but um, we'll take them any time. So um, anyway, we're going to be in Joshua this morning. If you want to turn there in your Bibles, Joshua chapter 11, and we'll see how far we get. I, I hope to get, I'm, I'm hoping to get to 14. Uh, we're not going to read it all, but we're going to try to get through chapter 14 today. Um, in a couple weeks, uh, someone was asking about how our uh, uh, banquet went for the Source uh, Crisis Pregnancy Center that we have here in town that went really well. Um, huge turnout, much better than we expected. Um, and uh, the ladies that put it all together, I really didn't have much to do with putting it together. I just got up, prayed, and sat down and ate. It's my job um, as one of the board members there. But they did such a great job getting it together and organizing it. And the speakers were just really, really good. I wish they'd recorded them. Um, they were just really powerful. And, uh, uh, but it went great. I don't know the total, how much we made that night. Um, I'm, hopefully, I'm hopefully we made 50000 That's our hope. Um, it takes about 100000 to run the place for the year, and so it's a big event for us. Um, but I don't know the total. I'll get it to you when I know. Um, that's, our, uh, that's our big event. We're going to try to have another one here, uh, try to fill in the gaps, you know, and have another event like this, maybe a little more toned down, not so, uh, not so dressed up event, more of a barbecue kind of thing. Um, but keep that in mind that you pray for the source. Um, if you feel led to donate to the source, um, it is more than just intervening. Um, I mean, it's intervention in, in, a, in a much more broad than just having someone come in the door and try to talk them out of having an abortion. We really, that's, the, the heartbeat alone does that. When they hear the heartbeat, it's done. Um, and that's great. Um, but we go into the schools, we do educational things, and we talk to kids about purity. We talk to people about not even getting to that place in their lives. Um, setting a high bar, setting a high standard was the topic that night. Um, we set a high bar and a high standard for sports in our town, Right? Uh, we need to set a high bar and a high standard for our kids in that area of our life also. Uh, we don't want to lower that bar and say, yeah, we know you're going to drink, go drink. We know you're going to have sex, go have sex. No, we bring that bar up just like we do for sports. That'll be just as important, if not obviously more so. Um, and so they do that and they educate and they go to all the schools and they talk about it and talk about purity, um, abstinence, um, and, uh, and how to have a, a good life, you know, not one that's been interrupted by sin. And uh, so... Um, that's where that money goes to. It isn't just for the clinic. It's only open two days a week, and that's all we can afford to open it up is two days a week, um, uh, Mondays and Thursdays for um, like five or six hours each day 
to keep that kind of staff. It's a little expensive to have nurses and, and someone who can run the machine and all that stuff, so we keep it to two days a week. Um, but all week long, that stuff's going out. We're ministering to the college students and the high school and the sometimes junior high if we're allowed. So anyway, if you feel like donating, they could use it. Uh, we could use it. So, all right. Chapter 11. Uh, oh, and I was going to say, along with that, in two weeks, Life Chain. Uh, I haven't been promoting that very well. Life Chain is the uh, first Sunday of October. So the 30th is next Sunday. And then uh, October 7th, uh, we'll have our Life Chain, which is where we stand out and protest um, uh, abortion in our country. Um, we lead that as a fellowship, and all the other fellowships come join us. We hand out the signs, and they stand with us, those who want to participate anyway. That's coming up on October 7th, and I'll give you more details. I think it's from 1 to 3 is what it is. Um, we do it for an hour. The whole nation does it. It's in every city. You know, they're going to start it over in Tarkio this year also, and so it's spreading. Omaha has always done it. Kansas City, St. Joe, they do it, um, and we do it here also. So it's a nationwide event, um, and we're, we're kind of the sharp end of the spear uh, when it comes to that in our area. So... Um, if you can come out for that or kind of plan for that after church, um, we'll do that. And we usually stand from two to three is usually what it is. So it gives you some time to eat lunch and then head on out there. All right. Chapter 11, the northern conquest of Israel. Last week, we went over the southern conquest of Israel, taking over the Canaanite land. Um, and this time, it's the northern. And uh, we're going to skip lots of verses today. In fact, an entire chapter at one point, because what he's going to do is overview how they conquered and who they conquered. Now, the only reason I skip it is because it's for personal study. For me to read it out loud and to butcher all those names and make you guys sit through it, it just isn't fair, I don't think. Um, but for them, it's very important that these things are documented because this is written down for them to refer to. Uh, who have we conquered? What land is ours? What land has been taken and is given to us? Um, and, it, and as it goes through each tribe that gets their section of this new promised land, it shows their boundaries and all that. For us, not so much as a whole it tells us that each one of us, since this is a picture of our walk with Jesus and him conquering sin in our lives and us marching to war against the enemies in our life, um, it's important to us to have our own chapter. You could write it down. You can even uh, you know, journal it or put it in a notebook. These are the things that God has conquered in my life. And they're important to us. Maybe not everybody else. They don't want to hear about things that God's delivered you from. Sometimes they do. But for you to refer back to, to remind yourself, uh, on bad days, uh, on days where you're not sure you're growing with the Lord. I'm not sure that I'm moving forward. You know, I've been with God for 20 years now, and I think I've been stagnant for 10 of those years. It's important to be able to go back to those things that God has given you victory in and show yourself, you know what, God is moving. And it stirs you up when you read those things. Um, like he's going to say here in a little bit in, in the next chapter, uh, you know, Joshua, you're an old man, but you still have a lot of ground to conquer, and we'll get into that in a minute. And so, um, it's good to write those things down. What has God given you victory in? What hasn't? What don't you have victory in? You know, and mark those things down as well because he wants you to have complete victory. He wants you to have all of him. He, he wants you to have all of his word, all of his spirit. And you have to check yourself, do I have all? And if I, have I become content with not having all? And if I have, I need to you know, stir myself up to have all. It's a decision we all make. So verse one, and it came to pass uh, when Jabin, the king of Hazor, heard these things, heard about their conquest of the Southland, that he sent to J, uh, Jabob, or Jobab, uh, Jabab, Jobab, whatever. <laughs> I like Jobab, that kind of makes him southern, doesn't it? Um, he sent to Jobab uh, in, the, in the north, um, king of the uh, Maiden, 
to the king of Shimron, to the king of, you see, yeah, them, and to the kings who were from the north in the mountains, in the plains. So he sends it to all the kings. That's the gist of it. Now, this is where I begin to skip already because he's just going to tell us all the people that are going to come up and fight against him. Remember the south got together. They thought if we group together as five kings, maybe we can defeat this one nation. Of course, they, don't, they, they learned quickly they're fighting against God, not a nation. And so it doesn't matter how many people you have, you're going to lose. Now, the north hasn't learned this yet, so they're going to gather a group of kings to go against these folks. And it's right on the heels of them having victory over the south. And I bring that up because sometimes you'll just have an awesome, like a great banquet or a great service on a Sunday morning and Satan hears about it. He hears about your great victory. That's all that king says. He heard about Israel having victory over there. And so what does he do? He plans a better attack. Remember, we have an adversary. We have an enemy, Satan. He wants us to be defeated. He doesn't sit back and say, man, they're on a roll. I'm backing off. Boy, they're really having victory in their life. <laughs> I better stay or clear of them. No, he sees that as a challenge and he just brings a better game. He brings a better tactic. He switches things up a little bit, tries to catch us off guard. I mean, that's what we do at halftime, isn't it? You're down 24 to 12 in a football game. What's the coach got to do? Hey, what we're doing ain't working. We're going to switch from the running game to the passing game or vice versa. Satan does the same thing for us. He's, he doesn't give up. He doesn't quit. He wants to switch gears. And so don't be surprised that on the heels of a victory in your life, just conquering something, that he doesn't come in with something, even a lower blow, just to bring you down a peg or two. Expect that. Watch for that. Be ready to adjust to those tactics. Be aware. I don't want us to be afraid of Satan. We have a power. We have a, a spirit of power. We don't have to be afraid of him. But our flesh is very vulnerable to his attacks. And if we're not walking in the spirit, we can be. We could be taken down. And so we want to be aware of that. Hey, that was a great victory. We don't want to sit back and, you know, chug some wine and, and, and rejoice and eat, you know, eat all the food we want, you know what I mean, have that celebration time. I want to sit back and say, you know, okay, now where's the next blow going to come from, you know? You want to be ready for that. Not that you can't enjoy your victories. You should definitely celebrate them. But um, do it with common sense, being prepared that your enemy hasn't given up yet. He's not defeated yet. And he wants to keep fighting. He wants to keep fighting you. And so this king hears about it. He's not persuaded at all to surrender. He says, oh, so they lost. Well, I think we can win. I wish it would be the other way around, but that's not how it works. And Satan is always out to attack. And uh, we need to be ready for that and pay attention to that from a different front. Might be your wife, might be your kids, might be your husband. He attacks differently um, if the direct attack on you didn't work. And so verse 6, but the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid because of them. For tomorrow about this time, I will deliver all of them slain before Israel. You shall hamstring their horses and burn their chariots with fire. Now, some people don't like that, but you got to look at this in a bigger context. What would you do? What do they do? What's normal for not our military? Because our military would probably do the same thing. We don't have a problem with blowing up their stuff. But a lesser military that conquers a greater military, what do they do with the equipment normally? They take it. Hey, that's a much better tank than our tank. I mean, what happens when one of our drones gets shot down? What do they do? They, they're 1922 AK-47s and they're jumping around going, woo, we got a drone. You know, they're all cheering and everything. They can't run it. They're trying to pick it up and toss it back in the air. They're just, you know, 
They're about 1900s militarily. You know, they're not very advanced, but they get excited about capture. They capture it. Oh, and then they study it, and then they try to reverse engineer it and all that. Not with God, and not with us as Christians. He doesn't take, he doesn't want them to take the enemy's weapons and use them. He says, no, I want you to destroy their chariots, and I want you to hamstring the horses. Now we, oh, why the hamstring a horse? That's not nice. Well, get over it. That's not the point. Um, the point is, we don't take their stuff. We don't need their stuff. We have the Lord. Complete confidence and trust in God. He doesn't want them to ever get the idea that the more militarily they grow, the more advanced weaponry that they have, the stronger that they are. He wants them to remember their strength is simply from him. I don't care if you have a rock and a sling, David, that's enough with me on your side. Doesn't matter whether you have a gun, doesn't matter if you have a spear, doesn't matter if you have a bow and arrow, doesn't matter about any of the weapons. Chariots, chariots were, they were the tanks of the day. They just drive through people, just drive right through them. Nothing you could do to stop them. Horses that have their leather on, so no matter what you try to do to stop the horse, they just kind of drive through them and just plow them over and keep just mowing them down. It's a terrifying weapon in the day. Not to us today necessarily, um, but for them it was a terrifying thing. And so to take those chariots apart and to destroy them and to burn them with fire and to still continue on foot with your God, that was a huge step of faith for them. And that's what God says here. I don't want you to be afraid. He says, I'm going to deliver them slain before you and I want you to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots with fire. Because I don't, guys, with our enemies, when we defeat them, we don't need their stuff. We defeated them with God. We don't need their stuff. We don't need to take their whatever it is. Um, we want to keep completely trusting God. I want to completely hold on to him. Um, and, and, and I don't know if this is a great comparison. You know, I try to think of something. Well, what's, what, what do we do? What, I mean, I'm trying to rack my brain. What could I possibly want from the enemy that I would use in God's fight? You know, I, I kind of feel bad, and this may not be the best, but I kind of feel bad for the celebrities that get saved. They just get saved, these celebrities. And someone hears about it, right? What do we do? Put them right in front of a microphone. These are brand new baby Christians living in the world their whole lives, just got delivered from drugs, alcohol, whatever else they were involved in, and we stick them up there as an expert. We take these poor Christians and we stick them up there, these celebrities, and they're like, um, um, yeah, and they try to, and they felt like they need to, and we expect, you know? I, I'm thinking about um, Chris Pratt, for example, and, 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 uh, and his walk with the Lord that's just started, honestly. And how much he's, he's got, boy, he stepped into it, hasn't he? At the MTV um, Choice, People's Choice Awards, and he, he let them all know, kind of. And the criticism he got from Christians, on, and he got criticism from both sides. They're like, oh, he didn't mention Jesus, Dave. He didn't talk about Jesus. The guy just got up in front of all those people that would literally crucify him there on the spot. And I mean literally, if they knew he was going to say what he was about to say, and still he told them that they have a precious soul, that God loves them, um, he did pretty darn good for a guy who just got saved a while ago, you know, and has one foot in and one foot out some of the time, you know, and we keep putting him up there, we keep putting him out there, and I think of all the guys that we put out there, you, you hear a rumor, uh, you know, about some lady that gets saved, and we, and we stick him up there, guys, the celebrities don't make our argument stronger, is what I'm getting at. Our God is strong. Just the fact that they're saved, what we ought to be doing for these celebrities is surround them with prayer and with love 
and understanding and grace and mercy and protect them from the world that's going to try to rip them out of God's hands and pull them back in to the system that they were a product of, basically. That's what we ought to be doing. Not, you know, that wasn't a very good theological statement. It's Chris Pratt. Give me a break. I can't believe he said anything at all, you know. We as Christians need to trust our God somehow got through to that man, and he is just a man. And he wants to get through to every man, woman, and child out there. And our glory, and, our, and our, the glory ought to be his, and we need to rest in that and not hope that if we get more prominent people on our side, maybe more people will listen and, and stop making fun of us as much. You know, Chris Pat knows Jesus, and I'm with Chris. Since when has that been a tactic? You know? I'm just saying, we need to be careful. And so maybe that wasn't a great comparison, but I do, I do feel for these people. And let them alone. Let them grow in the Lord. Give them protection. Let them understand his word and to, and to develop and, and, and grow. Um, and let the Holy Spirit fill them and, and use them in, in, in little ways at first, and then maybe greater ways as they grow older. Okay? That's my, that's my prayer for them. So Joshua and all the people of war with him came against them suddenly by the waters of uh, Miram, and they attacked them. And the Lord delivered them into the, land of Israel, into the hand of Israel, who defeated them and chased them uh, to greater Sidon, uh, to the brook uh, Mizraphoth, uh, to the valley of Mizpah, eastward. And these are important reference points so they can see where they ran to and where they attacked them and what land was conquered. So Joshua did to them as the Lord had told him. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots with fire. He actually followed through on it. He followed through on it. Because he understood that the trust uh, needs to be in God and not in their stuff. Okay, now I'm going to jump a little bit. Let's go to verse 20, if you will, as he describes all the stuff that the, the, the people they defeated and what, what uh, spoil they got from. That's, that's what we're skipping. God gave them spoil, let them take some of the stuff, um, meaning oxen and, and things like that. Um, and, and later on, he finishes with this in verse 24. It was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle that he might utterly destroy them and that they might receive no mercy, but that he might destroy them as the Lord had commanded Moses. And some people say, wow, God hardened their hearts. How, how unfair is that? He hardens, and we read that throughout scripture. God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. Um, some people he chooses, some people he doesn't. We get this idea from these scriptures, if we don't understand them correctly, that maybe God just likes some people and he doesn't like other people, and that's just how it is. We just need to accept that, that he's sovereign. And that's our excuse. We draw out the fact that, yeah, he's a loving God, but he's a sovereign God, and he can hate whoever he wants to hate. It doesn't line up with us. Even our stomach inside kind of turns and says, it just doesn't feel right. It's because it's not. God loves the world. That he's, he, forced, he loved the world that he gave his only son. We understand that about him. There's anybody that he hates. He doesn't like the death of the wicked. What he does is he offers grace to everybody. Grace is for everybody. But grace will do one of two things in a person's life. It'll either soften them to receive Christ or it'll harden them to the Lord. We don't think of grace as doing that, but it can. Some people, and maybe you've experienced this, you offer grace to some people and they're just like, oh, thank you. Oh, so, you know, and they really appreciate it. Other people you offer grace to and they just get stiff. It's, uh, I'm not going to owe you anything. That's up to you whether you want to do that for me to know. I've run into those people. It's like, no, I just want to mow your lawn. Well, that's on you. I'm not paying you. Well, no, I didn't want to pay. I just want to mow your lawn. Okay, I'm just saying. Okay. And they're offended by that. It's like, okay, okay. I can put the grass back if you want me to, you know. 
God's grace will do that to everybody. He showers his grace upon the world, and for some people it hardens, and for some people it softens. And this is what happens. God's grace was for 400 years for this part of the country, for the Canaanites. Don't ever forget the 400 years that God waited for them to repent. That was God's grace, his unmerited favor. That was God's mercy at that time. And they hardened instead of softened. Pharaoh was given opportunity after opportunity, but his heart was hardened. It was hardened until finally God said, and I hardened it. I made his decision firm. There is a point where you can get so hard against God's grace that you utterly reject him. I'm not going to have anything to do with this Savior. You keep shoving down my throat. Those are the words they use. You shove religion down my throat. No, I'm just telling you about God's grace. It feels like that to them, though. I don't want that feeling anymore. I don't want that feeling of guilt plus forgiveness. I don't want that. I want to be left alone. I, want to, I, I liked it when I didn't know. I liked it better when I was ignorant of all this. And you keep ramming this down my throat. No, I just keep taking the Band-Aid off is what's happening. When you share God's grace with people, it takes the Band-Aid off and it opens that wound. It's there and it isn't. It's festering and it needs to be taken care of. But they don't want to deal with it. Just cover it up. Just cover it up. Don't be surprised at that. And so that's why we read this here in verse 20. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should uh, come against Israel in battle, that he might utterly destroy them. He's going to actually go all the way through with it. Okay, chapter 12, we're going to skip entirely, but I want to give you a synopsis of it. It, ta- it speaks of uh, the kings conquered by Moses and the kings conquered by Joshua. And it gives us a list of those things. And that list is very specific so that they know you know, for us, it's tedious to read, I mean, literally 31 kings for Joshua and their names and their lands and all that. I'm like, okay. And we've already covered it when, when they did the battle. Okay. But now they're giving us a synopsis in one chapter of jo- Moses's kings that he conquered and Joshua's kings that he conquered so that it's, it's right there. How, how, what makes you think you have right to this? Chapter 12 of Joshua tells us that we got king of uh, Lasheron, uh, we got him. And so that his land is our land. We, God defeated him. We have God's stamp of approval on this property being ours. He was defeated. And so that's what all this is. We need to have that also. And maybe nobody else wants to read your chapter 12 of your life, but you need to refer to chapter 12 of your life. These are the things God's given me victory in. And I own this now. This is mine. This is something that I made a decision to follow after the Lord and he followed through on it and he came through. I prayed, he answered, and you write those things down. And that's your chapter 12. And you refer to it and you say, nope, this is land that's been conquered already. Now they may, the enemy may have slipped in again. That happens. He may feel like he's got a foothold in your life in that area, but he's easily defeated again because the land's already been conquered once and God's done it. You just need to kick him out again. That's the biggest thing with sin, or the easiest thing with sin, or I don't know what the right word is, but when sin, a sin that you've been victorious in forever, comes back into your life, it isn't all over. It isn't all for naught, you know? 20 years, you know? I'm going to get in trouble for this one. It's one of my problems with AA. I've got some problems with it. I'm, I'm all for getting sober. That's fine. And I think it helps some people. Um, I'm not into 12 steps. I'm into one step. You accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and he can defeat your enemies, for sure. My problem with it is um, the chip that you get. But once you fail, 
Once you slip, whether it's a 12-year chip, a 20-year chip, or a 30-year chip, that chip goes back. I, I don't think that's fair. <laughs> that's 20 years of sobriety. And because you had a drink last night doesn't mean that 20 years is for nothing. That's awesome. Nobody's going to have it perfect. Nobody's going to have that right. There's going to be slips. There's going to be falls. There's going to be stumbling. And this is what I'm getting at. The next thing is when sin creeps back into an area that's been conquered for 20 years, you just go right back to that conquering the very next day. It doesn't mean that 20 years is lost. You have one moment that was lost, but it just continues on. Keep the chip. May it be a reminder and then add the next day's chip or whatever else chips that you get. But to throw that away is, I think it misrepresents, first of all, God's love, his grace, and his mercy. God doesn't throw us out. I loved you. I loved you for 30 years and then you blew it. Done with you. Time to start all over again. No, no, no. It was a a slip. It was a sin. It was something that you asked for forgiveness for quickly and you move right back into the offensive position and you stop. Again, you have victory in that area in your life. It's just one moment. Sin will, at times, creep back into your life. Don't let it completely defeat you and cause you to walk away from God completely. That was a, that was a disaster, but it was one day. It was one day. God, several times in the scriptures, tells us, now get up. So you fell down. So get up. Get up immediately. Get up, stand up right away. Don't even lay there any longer than you need to. Dust yourself off and move forward again with the Lord. And you're right. You haven't slid down the path. You fell down on the path. Now get up and keep walking on the path with the Lord, right where you started. I haven't had my quiet time in a week. So pick up the Bible and start today. We do that. We we have that mentality. I've had my Bible study for 364 days. And I forgot yesterday. I almost had a year. No, you'll have a year tomorrow. Just do it tomorrow. You've got a year. To think that way is a, is a horrible, defeating feeling, isn't it? Those are things we set ourselves up for. This chapter 12 is essential for us. Write those things down that God has given you victory in. And if you fail in those areas, fine. If you want to make an, a notation, fine. Failed on one day, but the next day I was back at it again. And keep walking with the Lord. We've got to give ourselves time and be patient with ourselves and let God do that work in us and to learn. I mean, that's in math, that's in spelling, that's in English, that's in any subject, that's in physical growth, you know, um, coordination, uh, any kind of skill in basketball or any kind of sport. Uh, all of these things, we have our setbacks, you know? But it doesn't defeat or doesn't, doesn't negate all the victories we've had. Chapter 13. Now Joshua was old, advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, you're old, advanced in years. I smile because <laughs> God's always blunt with us, isn't he? Joshua, you look old. I don't care what everybody says around you. You ain't young, and you don't look a day over 50. You look a day over 12 days over 80, you know, you're old and advanced in years. And there remains very much land yet to be possessed. Mr. 80 year old, 85 year old, however old he is. You're old and advanced in years, maybe so. 
But Joshua, don't forget there's a lot of land that still needs to be conquered. Don't ever quit. Don't ever stop. Oh, if I'd only started reading or walking with the Lord when I was 10, like your kids are, when I was 15 or when I was 18, and some of us when I was 30, but I'm this old now. And I've just started walking with God. I just feel like a fill in the blank. I hear that a lot. You may be old and advanced in years, but there's a lot of land to conquer, and God wants to conquer it with you. Not only in your life, but wants you to help other people conquer it. You have a lot to offer. You know, just get, in, get back in there. This is the land yet remains. And he describes that land, and I'm going to skip it again. So he describes all the land that's going to be defeated by them. Skip down to the end of this list in verse, oh, it's halfway through six. There's a hyphen there. Um, um, I will drive out from before the children of Israel... Only divide it by lot to Israel as an inheritance as I have commanded you. Now therefore divide this land as an inheritance to the nine tribes and half tribe of Manasseh. Remember two and a half tribes settled on the east side of the Jordan. Nine and a half came over to conquer where God wanted them to conquer um, and, and settle. And that's what he's talking about. Here's the land you have yet to conquer. And when it's done, I want you to divide it up. But he's going to divide it up actually beforehand. This is, this, this is our segue nation of Israel has come across, they began to conquer, they've moved through, they've conquered a lot of territory, but what he's going to do now is boundary it off, they're going to survey the whole place, mark it off, cast lots for it to see what tribe's going to land where, and then those tribes are individually going to go take out their enemies. They're not going as a group anymore, they're going to go ahead and take them out. So as a whole, Christ, or Joshua, Jesus, Joshua, remember, real similar, Yeshua, has given them victory over the whole land, but individually they're responsible to take that land from the enemies. I've given it to you, but I want you to go to war. That is us. Christ has given us all the victory. We have victory in Jesus, and we sing the song all the time. And yet some of us, when we sing that song, Victory in Jesus, are saying, I don't think I have complete victory in Jesus. There's some things I'm missing. I don't have this, that, or the other thing. We start to name off all the things we don't have, and says, fine, go conquer those things then in the power of Christ, in the power of the Spirit. And so that's what he's going to do now. Uh, verse 8, uh, with the other half tribe, uh, the Reubenites and the Gadites received their inheritance, which Moses had given them beyond the Jordan eastward. And that's what I just said, describe that to him. As Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given them. And he describes that section of, section of land, okay? Verse 13, nevertheless, the children of Israel did not drive out the uh, Geshurites or the uh, Machathites, I think, um, but the Gershites and the Machathites uh, dwelt among the Israelites until this day. So that's kind of sad in the sense that they didn't have complete victory. He had given them total victory, but when they went in to conquer their own lands, they left some of these folks there. They didn't have complete victory over them. They let them stay. And that's going to be their downfall later on. Several of these tribes that we're reading here, the Gershites and the uh, Machathites, we can, or Machathites, we can actually find out how some of their ancestors later on with, through Judges and through some of these other books, rise up and begin to wreak havoc amongst the nation of Israel because they weren't defeated originally. Now, verse 14, only to the tribe of Levi... He had, no, he had given no inheritance. The sacrifices of the Lord God of Israel made by fire are their inheritance, as he said to them. So remember the tribe of Levite, Levites, uh, the Levitical tribe, they don't have any land, any section. They were spread out through all the land because they were the priests. 
They were meant to not own the land, but they were meant to be scattered throughout to be the spiritual leaders and advisors for the folks and lead them into worship of God and do that. They had their own cities and things like that, but they were scattered. No actual boundaries for a country, um, is, so they don't get it. Another picture of us, in a sense. There's lots of you know mixed metaphors here, um, but as far as being priests and being ambassadors, um, this world is not our own. It's not our home. Um, it doesn't matter whether I'm here, there, or any place else. Um, wherever God has me. My inheritance is God. As a Christian, you lose the farm, you lose your house, or God moves you someplace else. It shouldn't be that big a deal to you because my inheritance is God. And I'm, if he needs to move me, then he can move me. And if I was so attached to that one piece of property that he couldn't move me, I'm glad he took it away so that I'm, the strings are cut and I can be used wherever he wants to use me. You know, we got to see it that way. And so like the Levitical tribe as, as priests and kings, in his kingdom, as he tells us we are in Revelation 1. Um, we're here to just represent Christ wherever he puts us, wherever he wants us. Um, that's what we're here to do. All right, uh, then we're going to jump again all the way to, let's do chapter 14, verse 6, because he describes the land of Reuben, the land of Gad, the half-tribe of Manasseh, uh, the land divided west of the Jordan, and now we're into Caleb, his inheritance in Hebron. And I want to read that because... Caleb and Joshua are the same age. Remember last we just heard Joshua was a man who's old, <laughs> advanced in years, and God told him so. Here's what, here's what Caleb says. And the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of uh, Jephunneh, Jephunneh, I don't know, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you, me, at Kadesh Barnea. Now, he's referring back to Numbers chapter 13 and 14 when they went in as two of the 12 spies originally to spy out the land. And that's when they came back, those two guys, Caleb and Joshua, and said, we can take them. And the other 10 said, we can't take them. That's back there. He says, you remember what God promised us because they were submitted to the Lord to either go into victory or if you want us to wander around for 40 years, we'll do that too. And they did. But God promised them something saying, you guys are going to inherit the land. Because you said that we could inherit the land. You're not one of the rebellious ones. We've got to wait for all the rebellious ones to die. But you two are the only two of that generation that are going to make it in. So he's reminding him of that time. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. He's just reminding him of that promise. Wherever I spied, wherever my feet went, when I was spying at the land, that's my land. And Caleb's reminding him of that. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive. As he, as he said, these 45 years... Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel uh, wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am, this day, 85 years old. As yet I'm as strong, as, uh, strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Wouldn't that be great, you know? I'm an 85-year-old man. He promised you could just see him there. All, he's got to have hair coming out of his ears, not his nose. He's an old guy. His ears are way bigger than his head by now. And he's standing there, you know, probably in a, I don't know, Maybe a tank top. I could just see him with his muscle shirt on, with a sword in his hand and spears. You remember that land you said I was going to get? I love it. You know, this old guy. He says, I'm as strong as the day. 
Unleash me is what he's asking. Let me go get this land. I want to be the first one up the hill. I want to be that guy, you know? It's interesting though. Joshua's a great guy too. He loves the Lord. Some people age well. Some people don't. And I don't have a reason for it or an explanation for it. Now, why is Joshua old and his eyes are growing dim and he's not able to do? And here comes this Caleb guy, you know, like a pirate kind of thing. And these guys were buddies. These are the guys that understood each other. These are the guys that were in battle. But one just, it just, we age differently. And that's just the way it is. There's nothing, neither one of these guys is more holy or closer to God than the other. In fact, you'd think Joshua was more so since he was the one that God picked to be the leader. But one guy aged and he's as strong as he ever was at the age 85. And the other guy, Joshua, he's, he's about done. He's about done. In fact, we're going to read the death of Joshua next week. But Caleb, there he is, ready to go up the hill. Take that to heart, I guess. I don't know if that's encouraging or discouraging. You're like, well, I'm in the Joshua camp, I guess. It isn't because you're any less, is what I'm getting at. Or I'm in the Caleb camp. It isn't because you're any better. You know what I mean? Um, Just walk with the Lord and let him do to your body what he wants to do to your body. Maybe he wants you to come, maybe in your weakness, he's able to do more things through your weakness. Minister in a different way, you know? Leading, letting more young guys go do those things that you would normally do yourself, you know? Maybe that's a humble place for you to be in. You know, I, I can't get up or I can't do those things I used to do. So I've got to let these younger generation do that and lead by sitting on the porch and telling them, nah, you're doing it wrong. You know, maybe that's your gift and that's okay. Or maybe you're like, Caleb, get out of the tractor. You don't even know what you're doing. You plowed up half the, you see that guy that plowed up half the road? Maybe that's an old picture or something. He left his disc down or something like that. I'm like, oh, it just grooves right down the asphalt. Anyway, um, that's, when, that's when dad comes out and says, get the, get, oh, man, you know. Then you're Caleb, maybe. Either way, God's going to use you. Either way, God can use you, you know. Um, and let him use you that way. Don't bemoan the fact that he didn't make you Caleb, you know. Um, it's okay. So I threw that out there because he's like, I can do this. He's okay. As yet I am strong as the day, as on the day that Moses sent me, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. Uh, For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there. And those are the giants of the land. Those are the giants that scared away the 10 spies that said, we can't do this. The people there are huge. And Caleb saw them and says, I'll take them. You know, even that day at the age of 40. And at the age of 85, I'm still thinking about that nine and a half foot dude. I can cut him off at the knees. I mean, he's thinking that way. Let me go back to that mountain. I want to tackle that mountain. Wow, what a great picture for us. Um, I'm not afraid of that mountain. I'm not afraid of the people on that mountain. I want to go after that mountain, you know. Send me. Now, therefore, give me the mountain of which, I, uh, of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. You see, he's not trusting in his strength. I can still make it up that hill. I can still swing a sword. I'm as strong as I ever was. And if God's with me, we'll have victory. He's not relying on his own strength at the age of 85. He knows. At the age of 40, he couldn't have taken these guys out by himself. They're big guys. These are giants of the land, the Anakim. This is where Goliath comes from. It's one of, these are his descendants. Or, or yeah, um, 
he, he's a descendant of these guys, I should say. And Joshua blessed him and gave, him, gave Hebron to, to Caleb, uh, the son of uh, Jephna, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb and the son of um, uh, Jephnuah and the uh, Kenizzite. To this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel, and the name of Hebron formerly was Kerjath Arba, Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. So he was one of the giants and so on. And that's where we're going to close today. Thanks for being patient and getting through all this. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this encouragement, um, for your word. And we know that most of this was written down, obviously, for them, that they might know and remember how you were victorious in their lives. But God, we also use it spiritually to, to, to show us what you want to do with us. We may be strong physically, mentally, um, and yet we still, like Caleb, want to rely on, if you're with us, we'll have victory in these areas. Um, and Lord, if we're like Joshua, um, we still know that you'll have victory in these areas if you're with us. And you do give Joshua victory. We thank you for that. We thank you for all the victories you've given us, the things that we've decided to give to you and to allow you to do battle with in our lives, um, on our behalf um, and, and in us, God. We want to continue that. Um, we want to give those things over to you and choose today to give you even more area of our life for you to conquer, to trust you and to allow us uh, to follow you and, and you would be with us that we might have victory in these areas that we didn't think we could have victory in. Maybe we've settled into these sins and just think, well, this is just how I am. This is the way God made me or there's never gonna be a one-week chip for me in this area. Uh, but God, um, we, 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 we reject that today, that thought of being defeated that thought of surrender, God. We want to come with you, to you, and ask you, Lord, for victory in these areas of our life, Lord. We love you. We want to, we want to do the things of the Spirit. We want to walk in the Spirit. We, we don't want to fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, Lord, we decide today to follow hard after you, to make a decision to make you our all in all. Um, we want to know everything about you. We want to conquer all the land you've given us, not just some of it. We don't want to leave, leave anybody or anything festering or living amongst us that needs to be removed from our lives, God. So God, help us to be like Caleb, to have that heart, um, to go to that mountain, um, to trust in you, but to do battle, to do war, Lord. We love you. Bless these guys as they go today. I pray that you give them victory, God, in these areas. In Jesus' name, amen.